0: I was just sitting there as the worship was taking us into the presence of God. And, and I was just amazed at what our Lord has done to redeem us. I was amazed at His glory and His beauty and His desire to come and save a man like me. Aren't you glad you're redeemed? Amen. That a holy God would come to this earth... To look for what we need and to choose to redeem us. To change our citizenship, to change our destiny, to change our eternity. And that's all because there's an unconditional love within Him for all nations, for all people, especially for you. So today, I'm, I'm glad to be called the redeemed of the Lord. Anybody, anybody will join me? Aren't you glad you are a child of the living God? Amen. Aren't you glad you have a secured eternity because of what He has done, not because of what we can do? As a matter of fact, what we can do will not be sufficient, but what He's done has completed what the Father has asked for, and we are redeemed by the grace of the Lord. And I tell you what, sometimes you just come to a worship service like this, you might want to issue an invitation up front, outright, and say, hey, the best decision you could ever make in your life today is to give your life to Jesus Christ. This world doesn't have any guarantees. This world has only vanishing things. Things look shiny, but deep inside they are just empty and void. And they will not satisfy you. But God himself can satisfy you. A relationship with Jesus Christ is the true meaning for what life is all about. Relationship with him gives you purpose. It gives you a call. It gives you direction. And it guides you to a sense of satisfaction, fulfillment. And then it calls you to be co-laboring with God and His Holy Spirit on this earth to bring the kingdom of God to be on earth as it is in heaven. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? Amen. I hope that you are. I tell you what, Oksana, thank you again for us and guidance. I know that you pray. I know all of your team, you pray and you saturate. Uh, this worship with His presence, and that's why we're blessed. Well, I brought my Bible with me this morning, and I hope you brought yours. Can I just see your Bibles in your hands? Amen? That could be a phone, whatever you have, an iPad, iPhone uh, in your hand. Would you stand with me in honor of the living Word of God? In a moment, I'm going to go to Judges chapter 6, and I'll be reading, and we'll be reading in a few verses in here. So if you turn to Judges chapter 6. Let's read a few verses, verses 1 and following to verse 16. This is a magnificent passage. This is about a man that is a favorite of many, many of the prophets of the Old Testament. And uh, his story is a renewing, reviving, refreshing story for all of us. It's just to remind us that God can use us regardless of our circumstances. And God can use you. And He can bring great things, mighty things out of your life. Gideon was an extraordinary man because God made him an extraordinary man. He was an ordinary individual like you and I with an extraordinary assignment. And God accomplished great things through his life. And how would you like to live a life full of purpose? How would you like to collaborate with the Father to accomplish His will through your life? Will it matter that you have lived at the end of your journey... Would people say, I've been blessed because I've connected with a man of God or a woman of God? So we'll read verses 1 and following. If you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. Amen. So gaze your eyes, either on the screen or on your Bibles, and let's read together the story of Gideon and the Israelites. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years. And they oppressed Israel because of Midian. The Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, the Kidomites came and attacked them. They encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number, and they entered the land to lay waste to it. So Israel became poverty-stricken because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. When the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them. He said to them, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, I brought you out of Egypt and out of the place of slavery, I rescued you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you, and I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in, but you did not obey me. The angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, Hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I'm sending you. He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. But I will be with you. The Lord said to him, You will strike Midian down as it were one man. You'll strike them by yourself. Oh, Father, take your precious eternal Word and imprint it on our hearts. Lord, I pray that it will come to our minds as a refreshing revelation. And I pray that it will become in our lives an eternal plan that will please you and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Can God's people say amen? amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm entitling the message this morning, Calling the courageous. Calling the courageous. This is a magnificent passage. It's a learning passage. It's a passage that shows the heart of God for his people and for you. It's a passage that shows how God can use us even when we're timid and fearful and out of the will of God. He restores us so he can call us. He restores us so he can use us. He restores us so he can assign us and direct us toward his will. Now, the people of Israel have come out of the will of God. And every time they were out of the will of God, God will send a judge, a prophet, to go and 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 reawaken the nation of Israel back to their destiny that God had had for them. Rich destiny, blessed destiny. And every time, they would live in a time of peace with God. Now, when I say judges, I'm not talking about black-robed judges. I'm talking about prophets and seers that will be in the presence of God and would hear the message and deliver it to the people of Israel. Receive the plan and walk out the plan with the people of Israel. And the people of Israel had gone away from the Father. They had been in a period of peace during the time of Deborah, which was right before Gideon. For 40 years, they had peace. They were enjoying that. But you know, sometimes if you're enjoying peace, but you're not focused on the Lord of peace or Jehovah Shalom, you end up sometimes deviating and think that you have mustered peace yourself. So they began to kind of relax and become lazy about their faith. And they began to entertain the gods of Midian, the Amorites and the Amalekites and the Kidomites, and the people of the East, the pagan people, the, the people of a different culture who would worship other gods. They've delved into idolatry. Now, so that, and one more time, God had to bring them back. Why is that important? It's very important. Because every time they went out of the will of God, as you continue to read the book of Judges, when you study the book of Judges, you'll notice that every seven years they would get out of the will of God, or every 40 years they'd get out of the will of God. Now, seven is a cycle of life, so every seven years they'll get out of the will of God, and God had to send a, a, a prophet to bring them back, and, and, or 40 uh, seven is a cycle, 40 is a generation. You see why God is jealous for his people? Because any time a group of people get out of the will of God, they put at risk the generation that is coming. Every time my generation gets out of the will of God, you put at risk the future generation that is coming after us. And God wanted his nation and his children to come back to him. So they got involved in idolatry. As a matter of fact, we can see in just a moment how they felt like God had done that to them. But really, realistically, what happened is even Gideon's father had, had built a bunch of pagan gods and put them in his own backyard and began to worship God. We ask the question all the time, how would a good God, why would a good God make things happen against us? Well, the, the answer to that is very simple. A good God didn't make it happen to us. We brought it upon ourselves. Are y'all all right? Sometimes we look at a guy, we look at God and say, Oh God, why did you do that to us? The fact, of the matter, we did that to ourselves. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pull back to chapter 3. You don't have to go there. But in chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, listen why this was happening to them. The Bible says that the Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves, gave their own daughters to their sons, and worshipped their gods. Speaking of the pagan nations, the Amalekites and Amorites and others, the Israelites did what was evil in the lord's sight they forgot the lord their god and worshiped the baals and the asherahs so they did that unto themselves but gideon doesn't know any better so he's looking at god pointing his finger toward god and he said well if that's true god uh, where are all these miracles that our forefathers have told us about you see, sometimes we we reminisce on what God has done, can do, will do, but we don't know we're out of the will of God to experience what God wants to do, what He wants to do. So now they are worshiping pagan gods, they're involved in idolatry, and they've become a pagan idolatrous group of people. Do you know what an idol is? An idol is anything that you love more, fear more, serve more, value more than God. An idol is everything that you serve more, love more, fear more than God. Their life has become stained with sin and they've forgotten the God of their deliverance. And so now they are outside of the will of God. And Gideon doesn't know that God will not use a life. That is saturated with with sin if it's not confessed and have come back and become holy and pure before God. God wants to use clean vessels. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 11. The Bible says, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. So now God has allowed a nation, nations from the east to come in and oppress the people of Israel. Now, they would come at the time of the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, they would come in and they would steal the harvest. Now, if you don't know history, you would think that once a year, the Midianites have come in and they've taken the crops from the land. No, see, listen, the the, the harvest was a continuance. People of Israel would be planting here. uh, Corn, they'll be planting here, something else. Here, they'll have a wine press. Here, they'll be... So, the onslaught was continuous. Every couple of months, there was an onslaught on the people of Israel. And that's what the Bible says... They were impoverished. They were poverty stricken. They were hungry. Every time the crop came up, the enemy came and stole the the crop. They took the ox and the donkey. Because the enemy had a plan. The plan was starve them to surrender. Starve them to surrender. The spiritual application of that is this that when you are living in a nation or when you are in churches that doesn't preach the word of God, the enemy has a plan. What is the plan? When we spiritually starve, we'll come to a point of surrender and we compromise our convictions into becoming idolatrous worshipers. See, that's what the enemy wants to do in the houses of God, is to spiritually starve the people of God until they surrender to the culture that surrounds them. Are y'all all right? Is everybody all right? So the people of Israel are starving and now God shows up and he wants to bring about deliverance. Now here's the thing, Midian, I mean, Gideon is hiding in caves. The people of Israel for seven years now have surrendered to the fact that they cannot really gain victory. I love the song right up here that we've been worshiping and singing about Christ. You know, when all I see is a battle, you see the victory. And so God shows up and he said, I see victory lurking over the nation of Israel. But before they experience victory... I've got to bring them back to me. So, So he wants to bring them back. Now they're hiding. For seven years they've settled. They're in caves. And Gideon is hiding. And everybody else is hiding. They're afraid of the Midianites. They're afraid of the onslaught of the Amalekites. And as they were hiding in these caves, God shows up. Now isn't it amazing? It's a sad thing when God's people who've got the power of the Holy Spirit of God inside of them, who's got the resurrection life of God inside of them, the people who've got God on their side, the people who already have a victorious destiny will act like intimidated, fearful people and they hide from the enemy that they think is overpowering them. God said the only place you ought to hide is in God. Are y'all all right? The only place that every believer ought to hide is we ought to hide in the shadow of the Almighty. We ought to not fear what's ahead of us and what's in front of us. So God was about to bring about victory into the people of Israel. And God has been merciful. God gave them an opportunity over and over again. Every time they got out of the will of God, God brought them back. Every time they got out of the will of God, God brought them back. He shows them mercy. He shows them grace. But how many of you know you ought to not take the grace of God for granted? Are you all right? You ought to not take the mercy of God for granted. We ought to not trample the blood of Jesus for granted. Now Gideon's name, his name means one who cuts down. His name means one who cuts down. As a matter of fact, later on, he, his, they gave him a name of Jerubal. It means that he tore down, cut down the idols of Baal. The, the altars of Baal. It means eventually he surrendered to the will of God and was used by God to bring victory into Israel. So the, the Bible says the angel of the Lord showed up to Gideon. Showed up. Gideon. Now this is what we call a Christophany. It's the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus Christ showing up to Gideon. Jesus was not just, he was not, he didn't come to existence at Bethlehem. When he came into Bethlehem, that's when he took on human flesh to dwell among us. But God Almighty, Jesus, our God is co-eternal, co-existent with the Father and the Holy Spirit of God. And in the Old Testament, He showed up in many ways and many times to many different people. This is what we call an appearance of Christ, a Christophany of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then He calls Him a name. What did He call Him? He said, You are a mighty warrior. So let me give you four quick things and I'll, I'll try my best to speed up four quick things that God uses to call the courageous, to call the courageous. Number one, God calls you to your potential. God calls you to fulfill your potential. God calls you to fulfill your potential. He showed up to him and he said, you're a mighty warrior. You're a victor. You are a warrior. Now, Gideon is probably thinking, are you talking to me? (laughs) He's probably thinking, God, are you sure you got the right person in here? Because have you not been seeing what I've been doing? I've been threshing wheat in the wine press. In other words, I know the enemy is coming this way, so I ran away. And for seven years, I've been running away. And I'm fearful. I'm intimidated. I'm shy. I don't think I've got anything that could be used. And God shows up and said, you're a mighty Man of valor. You are an absolute warrior. Because God, when He shows up to you and me, He calls us not to what we have qualified for. He calls us for what He wants to qualify us for. Amen? He calls you to your potential. He calls you to what He can do with you, and what He can do through you. And God calls him a mighty warrior, because he's about to experience... A miraculous work of God in him. God is not interested in your scholarship. God is interested in a relationship with you. God is not interested in your capability. God wants your availability. Amen? God is not looking for superstars. God is looking for humble servants that he can work his supernatural will through their lives. And God calls you to your potential. Romans chapter 8, verse 4, the Bible says that God calls things which are not as though they are. Can you imagine? God is calling you to a mighty task that you don't think you are quantifying for. God is not looking for extraordinary people to do extraordinary things in their lives. God is looking for ordinary people to do mighty things in their lives. And the Bible says the poor in spirit will see God. God is looking for humble, unassuming servants that will serve him. And Gideon said, God, wait just a minute. If you're calling me, I mean, I've not seen a miracle in such a long time. And, and you're telling me we're going to defeat the Midianites. I mean, God, hey, where are the miracles that our fathers have experienced? You know, Gideon Thinks he's been smart with God. So he wants to challenge God. And he said, what are the mighty deeds and works that you've given to our fathers? And I like that because God doesn't answer his question. Here's what he said. He said, my answer to that is that go. And Midian's like, God, but you haven't given me an answer. God said, go. Go and defeat the Midianites. You know what he was trying to answer? He was trying to answer that question by by saying this. I'm going to show you what I could do in the battle. And I'm going to show you who I am in the battle. I'm a warrior in the battle and you can be too. I am an overcomer in the battle and you can be too. I am a mighty victor in the battle. And I'm going to answer your question by making you a mighty victor just as well. God calls us into our potential and God was calling him into his own potential and the question is if that's who you are God how can you prove in yourself to us did you notice what he said he was saying why haven't you forgotten us why have you forsaken us well the fact of the matter is God hasn't but it feels like that it feels like God has forsaken Israel but you remember they've done it unto themselves Sometimes you pray prayers and you feel like, God, you're not answering my prayers. It feels like you've forsaken me, Lord. Sometimes you stand in the gap on behalf of your family and children and your destiny. And it doesn't seem like anything is changing. And you you think, God, have you forgotten me? Sometimes you want something to happen in your career and for your future. And things are not changing. And you think, God, have you forgotten me? And it's okay to feel like God has forgotten you as long as you know that He hasn't. That He's a present help in time of need. That God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That He said, I'll never leave you and I'll ever forsake you. And God calls you to your potential and God will always be with you. I want to say this to you and write it down. If God calls you, He will equip you. If God sends you, He'll go before you. Are y'all all right? If God calls you and equip you, if God sends you, he'll go right before you. And if God assigns you, God already has won victory and will win it through you. Are you with me? So the first thing God does, he calls us to our potential. The second thing that God does, he not only calls us to our potential, he calls us to walk by faith, not by feelings. We walk by faith, not by feeling. Look in verse 13 again. The Bible says in verse 13, Gideon is talking. He said, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all these things happened? And what are all the, all the wonders that, that, that our fathers have told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midianites. I am sending you Feelings. I want you to go, not based on how you feel, but based on what I'm commanding, based on what I say. Because feelings, though they feel like real, they're not reliable. How often we make decisions based on feelings when we ought to not be making decisions based on feelings. How often we choose to walk away from our convictions because we feel like this and we feel like that. And we define our lives by our feelings. But though feelings, listen, though they are real, they're not reliable. They're not reliable. And we function not by feeling, but by faith. Mark this down, my friends. When we function by feelings, the first thing that we lose is clarity. Do you get that? When we function by feelings... The first thing you and I lose is clarity. This is how I feel. But feelings are not the facts. Facts brings clarity. Feelings takes away clarity. So when we function by feelings, the first thing we lose is clarity. When we lose clarity, listen, when we lose clarity, then we end up losing direction when we lose direction because we've gotten to confusion, when we lose confusion, we lose conviction. Can I say it again? When you function by feeling, you put at risk clarity. When you lose clarity, you bring about confusion. When you bring about confusion, you walk away from conviction. And we've got to guard that. So the God, the Bible says we function by faith, not by feeling. Has the God of their fathers abandoned them? Absolutely not. He's still there. He's walking with them. In the book of Psalm chapter 73, we see an example of that. In Psalm chapter 73, the psalmist is complaining right before God. The Bible says, I'm going to summarize it. Just put that down for on your notes, if you're taking notes. And the psalmist is standing before God and he's saying, Truly the God of our fathers has been good to Israel, but God... I mean, look, I'm looking around the neighborhood and the wicked is prospering and they are too proud and they are too arrogant and they're criminalistic in their spirit and it seems like they're not paying the consequences for that. I've brought up my house to worship you. I've followed you. I've adored you. I've I've honored you. But it seems like nothing is happening for me. And then the psalmist gets to chapter 73 and verse 17 and he makes that one statement. Until... I came into the house of the Lord. And I began to recognize... That there's a different perspective that I need to take. What is that? It's my eternal perspective. You see, even though things may look like they're not happening for you right now. But your eyes are not on the vanishing things of the earth. Your eyes are on the eternal things of Almighty God. If you and I would keep an eternal perspective in our lives. Then regardless of what's happening around us. With the wicked or with those that are outside of the will of God. We know that we're not. Listen, this is not our world. We're traveling through this world to an eternal destiny. Are y'all all right? That we're on our way to a mansion that God is preparing for us. And the suffering of this world will not be compared with the glory that we will be experiencing with the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls us to walk by faith, not by feelings. Not to abandon our relationship with Him. Our journeys with Him, as a matter of fact. But let me give you number three. God not only calls us to walk by faith, not by by feeling, but God calls us to trust His choosing and the wisdom of His choosing. Did you see what Gideon said? He said, you're calling me? I mean, there's 12 tribes of Israel. You could choose anybody else from any of these tribes. Matter of fact, God, did you forget? I mean, Manasseh, my tribe, is the smallest tribe of all the tribes. Hey, God, did you not take attention? The clan, my clan within the tribe of Manasseh is the smallest clan. Hey, God, I just want to remind you that in my house, among all of my brothers, I'm the smallest of all of them and other brothers would qualify to be chosen. So God, hey, I just want to remind you, we are the smallest tribe, the smallest clan, and I'm the smallest of all of my siblings. Here's what he's saying. I'm nobody. I'm a zero. I'm not a hero. You ought to choose somebody else. For goodness sake, God, don't you see what I'm doing? I mean, I'm hiding, for goodness sake. And here's what God said. You're exactly what I'm looking for. Why is that? Because when God calls us, He calls us because He wants to to get the glory out of our lives. Listen, my friend. It's an insult in the face of God. To say that God cannot and will not... Use me or choose me. Are you with me somebody? You are somebody. Are you all right? You are somebody. You are God's child. There is royal blue blood in you. The power of Almighty lives inside of you. Today's Pentecost Sunday, and the Holy Ghost of God lives in you. Are you with me? You are somebody. and when God chooses you, he knows exactly what He's doing. You know what the devil fears? The devil fears that someday you're going to discover who you are. Let me say it to this crowd on this side. The devil fears that someday you're going to discover who you are. Because all of hell heard about Gideon's name. And I wonder one day if hell will hear about your name. And they'll recognize what God can do through you. Trust the choosing of God and God called them. People have always chosen to walk away from the call of God. Moses Moses was a reluctant leader. He said, God, I, I, I stutter. Use somebody else. And God said, no, I want you. I'm going to get your brother to speak on your behalf. You need to hang around some stinky sheep. God, but I'm 80. I want to retire. I want to get a trailer in Florida. And I want to live by Social Security. Is that okay with you, God. God said, Moses, I want you to deliver the people of Israel. Esther was a reluctant leader. Jonah was a reluctant prophet. You may be a reluctant somebody, but I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God looks at you and chooses you, God said, I know who I'm choosing. I'm choosing somebody who's one day gonna be a mighty father and a mighty mother and a mighty sister and a mighty brother and a mighty soldier and a mighty worship leader and a mighty teacher and a mighty and a mighty a mighty somebody. You are somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, I am somebody. Look at them and say, I am somebody. Oh, you're talking like Gideon right now, so intimidating. Look at them and say, I am somebody. Say it loud, I am somebody. I am somebody. I'm no nobody, I am somebody. Let me give you number four and I'll close. God calls the courageous to their potential. God calls the courageous, listen, to walk by faith, not feeling. God calls the courageous to, to trust His choosing. And the last thing, God calls the courageous to, ch- to trust His will. God wants us to trust His will for our lives. And I love this. When God calls us to His will, He will lead us to perfect His will. Can I say it again? That was genius with Assyrian. Syrian. Listen to it again. When God calls us to His will... He will lead us to the way to accomplish His will. That's the best English I can give you this morning. I don't. Keep in mind, I was educated in Martin, Tennessee, way down south. Are y'all all right? He calls us to His will. So here's the question that we've been getting. sharing gets it. I get it. You get it. Everybody else gets it who's been in ministry for 59 years. Here it is. Are y'all ready? What? Well, foudy, fowdy, 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 I can't even say my own name. <laughs> call me Chuck, would you? Just call me Chuck. Well, Chuck, how do I know the will of God for my lives? Mark those four things down very quickly and I'm closing. Four things. And I must speak with my southern Tennessean accent. And you listen very carefully. Four quick things. Okay, that leads us to know the will of God. Gideon said, well, God, I'm going to do this. Now, I'm going to go destroy the altars of the enemy. And he did. He did. And he said, I'm going to throw my fleece before you. It's a piece of wool that he would put it down. He tried God several times and God still answered. He said, but God, I just want to know that this is your will. I'm going to surrender, but I want to know this is your will. Write them down. Four quick things. Number one, number one, they're on your screen. All right? How do I know the will of God? Four things. First of all, I know the will of God by the counsel of God's word. By the counsel of God's word. Okay? Psalm 32 and verse 8. Here it is on your screen. I will instruct you and show you the way to go with my eye on you. And I will give counsel. How do I know? By the counsel of God's will. Psalm one nineteen one oh five, The Bible says, your word is a lamb unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Here's what that means. It's a lamb unto my feet. Near. It's a light unto my path. Far. In other words, when God calls me, he will lead me step by step. And he will lead me all through the journey. He walks in a walk with me from beginning to end. And he will instruct me through it. So first of all, I know the will of God by the counsel of the word of God. Number two. I know the will of God by the confirmation of others. By the confirmation of other people and their, their relationship to us in our lives. Here it is. Listen to it. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs. The Bible says in Proverbs. Uh, without guidance a people will fall. But with many counselors there is deliverance. That's Proverbs 11 and verse 14. Listen to me. When people speak into our lives, watch this now, they will give us a confirmation word, not a directing word. We get our direction from the word of God. We get our confirmation from other counselors in our lives. Amen? Did you get what I just said? Because we get our direction from His will. We get our confirmation from others that God brings around us to confirm His will. Number three, we not only know it by the counsel of His word, the counsel of others in our lives. Number three, by the comfort of God's peace in our lives. The comfort of God's peace in our lives. Colossians 3 and verse 15. This is awesome. Let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body. Rule your hearts and be thankful. Sometimes God shows up and it's not fireworks. It's that peace in you that says, this is God. You're calm about it. You get that feeling. Hey, God, I know this is you. I know this is you. And it's not flashy and loud. It's just you're sitting there and you know God giving you the directive word. And the last thing, I know the will of God by the counsel of his word, the counsel of others, the comfort of his peace, and lastly, by the consecration of a pure life. The consecration of a pure, holy life. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true worship. God is... Uses clean, holy vessels. And this morning, the greatest decision you could ever make is to come before God and say, God, I may be a Gideon. I'm already a follower of the Lord. But I need to step up and be one of those courageous people you're calling. God, I will trust your choosing. I will trust your will. God, I'll walk by faith and not by feeling. And God, I want to fulfill my potential. This is a time for you to say, "God, I surrender all." Others of you here this morning, you really need to give your life to Jesus. Nothing else is working. You may be experiencing this kind of a shadowy peace, and you're having great time and fun, but there's a void in you that only Christ can fill. That's why God called you. He called you. That's why the Lord is calling you right now to give your life to Him. The Bible says we're all sinful humanity. We have a sinful nature. And an imperfect being cannot, listen, cannot forgive themselves. You need a perfect God to forgive an imperfect man. And that's only Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins. To forgive me of my sins. To cleanse me of my nature. And give me his new new nature. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Give your life to Jesus today. Pray with me, everybody. Father, we come to you today. We ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to guide us. We ask you, Lord, to bring us into our potential as followers of the one and true only God. But for those that are here, that need to give their life to you, Lord, I pray that you draw them to you. If you're here this morning and you say, Fadi, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. He is, I believe he's the true God, the only God. I believe he loves me, died for me to forgive me of my sins. Pray a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save me of my fallen nature. Come into my life and be my God. Live through me. Live with me. And teach me to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.